Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. Megan has been on me to take a look at some other sci-fi series. So she has prevailed and we will take up the 11 episodes, I think, of Firefly. It's a little bit different than uh, anything we've done before. Certainly not MCU, Star Trek, Star Wars, or any of those classic science fiction shows. But we're going to give it a shot. It is uh, Western in Space, so I'm really excited to do this series with her. So, in this episode, we take up Episode 2, The Train Job. This episode was the first one aired, although in filming it was the second episode, The Train Job. In it, a crime lord, Adela Niska, hires the crew to rob a train of some unspecified goods. The crew can transfer the goods to the Serenity flying above the train, but Mal and Zoe are forced to stay on the train because there are lawmen on the train they, who stumble upon them when they are engaging in the robbery. Zoe and Mal learn that they have stolen medicine desperately needed by locals in a town called Paradiso. The crew argue about whether they should return or rather deliver the goods to the crime boss, Niska, but ultimately they decide they have to rescue Mal and Zoe first through the subterfuge of using the companion who really holds closer to an ambassador status. Mal decides to return the medicine after finding out it is literally needed for a life and death uh, disease on the planet. However, the crime boss's thugs track them down, and after killing some of them and capturing the rest, Mal and Zoe take the medicine to those in need of it on the planet and refund Niska's money. So, Megan, we're to episode two. Where should we begin? Ooh, we're talking about the train job on Firefly. So let's talk a little bit about the new job that they have acquired. What exactly is the train job? And I think importantly, who gave it to them? So what did you think about it? So th this is just as classic a Western <laughs> trope as you can have. The train job. And overlaid with an incredibly cool science fiction component which is they're going to fly the spaceship uh, over the train and lift up the cargo, although that could have been a helicopter. I've seen that happen before. And so, you know, that that was cool in and of itself. The bad guy is a bad <laughs> Not that I would ever characterize Italians as bad guys, but he was about as mafiosa as you can get. Oh, I got deliciously. Russian Yeah. Oh, Russian. Well, it's mafia. Yeah. <laughs> organized, organized crime. La Cosa Nostra. He's a bad guy. I was really intrigued with his bouncer or mm -hmm. his muscle. I thought he was going to be somebody I was going to deliciously enjoy. Uh, <laughs> that turned out short-lived. <laughs> but I really enjoyed the um, just the train robbery. I thought mm -hmm. that was cool. And um, then the Alliance soldiers, I have to say I was a little confused by that because I didn't understand or appreciate when they first saw them, I thought they were there to guard the cargo. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that was not true, and that becomes a plot point later. 
what they were there to do. So sort of from these opening scenes, really, you either appreciate it or enjoy it. Yeah, like you, I absolutely love Niska as the bad guy. I think it says something really interesting about the kind of universe they can have. They can have multiple really big, really well-organized crime syndicates or families or however, or planets, maybe. And I thought it was, uh, because Niska was a known entity to Captain Reynolds and to, to most of the crew, uh, it felt like they were really taking a big risk going to take this job because, you know, Niska had a reputation as someone not to be messed with that was demonstrated to be true by the murder of his nephew, um, even in the face of, you know, an earful from his wife. So, yeah, absolutely clear bad guy and possibly some some real serious need for income for the crew. Kind of interesting to see, you know, science fiction where money is so important and acquiring it is such a plot driver. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then, of course, I mean, we both love a heist. And this was a cool heist with a spaceship lowering uh, a cussing Jane onto the lid. Um, to the roof, not the lid of the train. The lack of questioning about what they were stealing, I thought was really interesting. I kind of, I get the impression from this that, you know, Captain Reynolds, I think he talks a lot tougher than he is. And, you know, they don't care about the job. They'll do anything for money. And now we learn over the course of this episode that that is plainly not true. <laughs> it is absolutely plainly not true. <laughs> so they're able to affect the theft, but I'd like to stop there. Because mm-hmm. I'd like to go back to the opening scene in the bar. Oh, yes, yes. Unification Day. (laughs) Unification Day is when the Alliance wins. Mm -hmm. And I guess what surprised me, Megan, was not that there was a Unification Day, but this far out, Mm -hmm. I would have thought there was sort of less love for the Alliance. But clearly there's a group of people who do support the Alliance. And through some prodding of Mal, they taunt him enough uh, that he gets in a fight. fight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and there's, I loved it when she got thrown through the virtual window. <laughs> I thought that was, that was so cool. You're in the middle of technological mayhem. They have a virtual window. So yeah. I thought that, that was cool. But I love the moment. Is, oh, go ahead. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Sorry, I love the moment just before that when, when Malcolm is talking to the, the, you know, the Alliance supporter. And he's getting him stand up all up in your face. He's like, oh, I'm not going to do anything. She's behind you now, <laughs> delivering the punch. Oh, beautiful. So that was cool. Uh, and sort of comic relief, but really driving home a bigger point. But so they back to the train robbery. They get the, uh, the cargo off, mm-hmm. but uh, they are caught. And not, not just they are caught. They, uh, uh, the robbery is discovered. They are not caught as the thieves, but they're caught up with everyone on the train. And so they at some point are questioned, and they they really have a very bad cover story. (laughs) They really need to work on their cover story. They came up Uh, with it on the fly. It was never the plan to be caught. They were supposed to fly up back to the ship with Jane. (laughs) But what was interesting is then that's kind of when they learned when they were caught up with everyone else, they learned exactly what they had just stolen to, to, you know, a realization of horror. That, that they had participated in that. So there's a couple of thing, minor points in all of this that really struck me. One was, I mentioned in our prior episode, my enjoyment of the terraforming. Mm-hmm. And we got some further clarification about how terraforming works uh, because the sheriff who's interrogating our heroes says that an unintended consequence of the terraforming coupled with gas coming out of mines created a degenerative, Mm -hmm. deadly disease, uh, fatal disease. 
and that everyone on the planet has it simply because they've breathed the air created in the terraforming. And I thought that was really interesting mm-hmm. uh, to terraforming. We also see the Alliance, and also we mentioned in the prior episode, the Alliance Command Center. And this is where I really began to think, and this is not the Empire, these are Bozo 1 and Bozo 2, uh, because the sheriff asks for some help um, to find the culprits and hopefully get his medicine back. And the Alliance says, you know, I don't have time for no stinking medicine. We're here to do big, important things, and you ain't it. Uh, completely oblivious to the existence of an existential threat to the existence of this colony. And it was said in a way, if it had been Rand Moff um, Toff, mm-hmm. uh, he would have said it in an authoritative way, but I thought the way this Alliance commander said it was just buffoon-ish. So kind of went down a notch in the uh, Empire standing for me yeah, I, with I those two was, scenes. I thought that was really interesting, too, because kind of came up a little bit in the last episode and a lot more in this one, just the lack of interest that the Alliance of the Central Planets have in the Outer Worlds. You know, they'll once they get it terraformed, they'll just drop people on it to live them. And I, that makes me think that, you know, the whole purpose for this terraforming and for all these extra worlds is just to get rid of excess humans. You know, ship the poor out, ship the homeless out, so that you don't have to you deal say, with them in the Central Planets. You say Canada? <laughs> Australia? Happen- yeah, Australia very much so. <laughs> Well, and it, I mean, it even it even happens now. Cities, you know, shipping their homeless from one place to another. But right. uh, I think it was, you know, less less buffoonery as less as kind of buffoonery and more as this is just a salary man doing his job, and his job is to deal with alliance stuff and not worry about these wastes mm. of space who are just occupying the planet. He's just got other things. Yeah, nameless bureaucrat. Exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. I liked what Captain Reynolds said about it. Is you know, like, unify all the planets under one central control so that everyone can be interfered with or ignored equally. <laughs> so Mal and crew recognize what the medicine is. They attempt to give it back, and they end up doing so to the sheriff, uh, who has figured out where they their ship is because they're waiting for Mal uh, to get back. After and a rather ra- was... marvelous rescue by Anara, which is uh, one of my favorite parts of the episode. Oh, yes. Anara <laughs> rescues him because, literally because of her standing as a companion. Mm-hmm. And so you pointed that out in our last episode that the role she had was uh, not only well thought of, but very honored as well. So Mm -hmm. that she was able to literally waltz in and say, these are mine. They're my indentured servants. And And have everyone thank her for her presence. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I was, I guess the scene where the sheriff and Mal meet with the medicine also struck me because the sheriff essentially... I think it was the sheriff who said, it's not the evil in men's hearts when they do something. It's the evil in their hearts. They find out the consequences of what they've done. And that's, that's in his mind, what makes a man evil or not. Mm. And that meant, yeah, Mal stole it. He didn't know what it was, found out what it was, and returned it. So I thought that was a pretty good part, pretty poignant part. But I absolutely loved his interrogation of the... The muscle guy. <laughs> Can't remember his name. Crow. Crow. And who's able to track ship down pretty quickly and say that, you know, you welched on the deal and we paid you <clears throat> paid you half. And he tries to give the money back. The guy says no and he kicks him and he goes into a jet port of an engine. 
And I absolutely love that. The only thing that in my mind could have been better if we'd seen the splat coming out on the other <laughs> side. I thought that was so funny too. And I was researching a little bit about this episode again, because there was so much fuss with the network around the pilot. And uh, I think Fox had wanted Crow to be a long-term bad guy, someone who's going to be big and tough. And Justin was just like, no, we are going to get rid of him in the most humorous way possible. Yeah. And I, I loved his, his colleague as well, who was then put in the same situation, given the same speech. He was just like, no, no. I'm with you. We're on the same page. No no need to jet engine me. Yeah, this is great. So um, we do have a little foreshadowing of some trouble at the end uh, because we see some blue-gloved agents of the Alliance come to the command center. We had seen the buffoonish or at least bureaucratic Alliance commander leading and basically said, we have a problem, and here's our problem. So it's clear the Alliance is after her, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to provide a lot further adventures, but uh, I really like those guys. I mean, I think really interesting how, you know, River is obviously quite adult. There's there's definitely things that have happened and are happening in her mind, but she, she has awareness of what's going on in regards to the Alliance and her, you know, the two-by-two two hands of blue, deliciously creepy. And that kind of reveal at the end I, I thought was great. Um, what did you think of Jane in this episode? Did your opinion change kind of from the last one? Actually, it did, because I didn't think he was cartoon- as cartoonish as he was in the first one. I think he there was a couple of scenes where he lipped off, indicated, as you suggested, perhaps a lack of an overall 160 IQ. Um, he's not blonde, so we can't you know blame it on blonde. <laughs> but I thought he was... Um, moving closer to being more silent and Mm -hmm. that's what I want so I don't know if I just (laughs) saw what I wanted or he really did take it down a level but the interesting point would be this was not the first episode filmed as you noted it was Mm -hmm. the first episode aired so sometimes when you get episodes shown out of order from their filming it shows differences that the director didn't intend or the producer Mm -hmm. didn't intend to show so I like the way he developed, but this was shown first. So if I'd seen this way back when it came out, I would have mm-hmm. been really confused. <laughs> yeah, it was a question of Jane's loyalty at the beginning of the season is, is a really interesting one. Is Can he be bought? He certainly acts as if he can be bought and is you know seemingly willing to always act in his own self-interest at the expense of the crew, unlike almost every other member of the crew. So I think he's, he's an interesting character from that perspective. Uh, I was also interested in the preacher because Mm. clearly there's a big backstory there and whether he's been the pastor to some very bad people whether he was a very bad person clearly he's not been sitting around reading his bible for 30 years (laughs) exclusively so he knows first aid i think he probably knows how to wield a weapon and so really interested in him. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with him. Oh, yeah. He got some great punches in in the last episode, too. Yeah. Where, where does Preacher learn to punch like that? I don't know. Any final thoughts on the train job before we uh, wrap it up for this week? You know, I don't know if it, it scratched my itch of seeing Westerns when I was a kid or not, <laughs> but I really love just the thought of a science fiction show about a train robbery and just... That alone warmed the cockles of my heart. <laughs> so I, I was all in when I saw the name of it. And then the, the train also was a, not a train on tracks, either a magnetic train or other 
elevation above the track. So I thought that was a nice nod to some science fiction. Awesome. I knew you would love the Space Cowboys. <laughs> Perfect. Any f- final thoughts from you? I don't think so much. I think I'm just continue to be excited to kind of examine these episodes in these new way, being able to compare it to the different franchises that we talk about. And uh, there's some really fun episodes coming up. So I'm just excited to talk about them. All right. Till next time. See everybody. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this initial episode of Firefly. I hope you'll join Megan and I for the entire season of Firefly episodes. Yes, 14 episodes over the next seven weeks. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to visiting with you next time.